I'm Alexander Lawrence Ames, and this is Cloister Talk, the Pennsylvania German Material Texts podcast. Welcome to episode 15, Errand into the Wilderness, what Pennsylvania German illuminated manuscripts mean in American history. In this episode, we will consider how the illuminated devotional manuscripts of Pennsylvania's early German Protestant communities fit into the wider context of early American religious, literary, and intellectual history. This podcast series explores topics covered in my new book, The Word in the Wilderness, Popular Piety and the Manuscript Arts in Early Pennsylvania, published by the Pennsylvania State University Press in 2020. There are many questions and ideas I address in the book that deserve further consideration, so each episode of Cloister Talk dives into one of those topics. If you'd like to learn more about anything discussed on the podcast, please read my book, which you can order from psupress.org or request from your favorite local bookseller or library. Some years ago, while conducting research in the beautiful 1888 reading room of the German Society of Pennsylvania Library on Spring Garden Street in Philadelphia, I happened upon a book by Pennsylvania governor, book collector, historian, and author Samuel Pennypacker. The book, titled Pennsylvania in American History, was a collection of essays in which Pennypacker, who was a true devotee of his home state and an advocate of its aggrandized place in the history of the United States, sought to convince others of his stance on the issue. One particular essay in the book caught my attention. A piece Pennypacker had written for the Atlantic Monthly in 1901 titled Pennsylvania and Massachusetts, in which he takes aim at the Bay State's claim to be the cradle of U.S. politics, values, and culture. Pennypacker was utterly devoted to underscoring Pennsylvania's importance to American historical development, making it unsurprising that his collecting efforts also focused on regional books and manuscripts, including illuminated German-language religious documents written in Frakturschrift. For Pennypacker, the mix of peoples and cultures in early Pennsylvania, including the strong German component, made it a vital cultural foundation for future U.S. life. In the essay, Pennypacker writes, quote, The Constitution of the United States provides for the free exercise of religion and against the establishment of any creed by law. Perhaps no other of its provisions more distinctly marks the divergence between the American idea of the province of government and that of European nations, and more broadly separates the present from the past. Where in America did that view of life originate, and when it became a part of fundamental law, which community triumphed and which succumbed. End quote. Pennsylvania led the way in religious freedom, Pennypacker explains, dismissing Massachusetts as a Puritan, quote, theocracy. Pennypacker was not alone in advocating for Pennsylvania's status in national history. 
Henry Chapman Mercer, a rough contemporary of the governors who assembled a remarkable collection of his own in Doylestown, Bucks County, spoke passionately on the same topic as it connected to the Pennsylvania manuscripts before the American Philosophical Society in 1897. Here are Mercer's words, quote, if the existence of fracture in Pennsylvania had been adequately noticed before, its evidences are so interesting that it might well be described again, but we learn that it has been little more than casually alluded to by any writer. Yet it illustrates the relation of Germany to the United States at one of its most interesting points. It recalls the fact that while the English Reformation was hostile to artistic impulses, the German reformers were not always unfriendly to them. Here is a contribution to American character at the beginning, for which we owe nothing to New England and the Puritans. Fracture did not come over in the Mayflower. End quote. Whatever one may think of these men's arguments on behalf of Pennsylvania, Pennypacker and Mercer were not misreading the historical landscape around the turn of the 20th century when they noted New England's prime position in the establishment national psyche. Indeed, much of the scholarship of early American religious history has been dominated by the New England Puritans. In the middle years of the 20th century, the landmark scholarly works of Harvard intellectual historian Perry Miller shaped the contours of the field in ways that are still felt to this day. Miller, who lived from 1905 to 1963, claimed to have found a, quote, working model for American history, end quote, in the religious culture of early New England. Miller's work began a long tradition of remarkable intellectual historical scholarship of Puritanism by some of the biggest names the field of American history has ever produced. Noting that Puritans saw, quote-unquote, God's fingerprints across the New England landscape, Miller's most famous student, Edmund Morgan, sought to unlock the, quote, meaning of New England, end quote, through studies of the region's spiritual life. However, all of this work has also distorted impressions of just how influential early Puritanism actually was over religious, cultural, and political life in what eventually became the United States. A, quote, Puritan paradigm has long held sway over early American religious history, as if the entirety of early American spiritual life can be traced to the New England experience, and as if a coherent ethos of American national life derived from Puritanism as it was practiced in the 1600s. While this can be a tempting narrative to which to subscribe, particularly around Thanksgiving every year when the national consciousness returns to New England, other primary sources from other cultures in other regions might undercut its viability. Overviews of early American religion often only make passing mention of Pennsylvania's patchwork of German spiritual traditions. Such peoples and their manuscript texts have never been placed near the center of the story of early American spirituality. While I would certainly never argue that the Pennsylvania Germans were more important than the English Puritans or other communities present in early America, the fact remains that the rich primary sources the Pennsylvania Germans left behind, including their illuminated manuscripts, offer a useful reminder of the diversity of the early American linguistic and religious experience, and show the fluid, global nature of early modern Protestantism. Historians who emphasize the most influential early Anglo-American religious and intellectual movements risk smoothing over the cultural variety present in the colonies and early nations' formative days, and oversimplifying the spiritual forces active in the New World.
Considering non-dominant stories of life in early America lends valuable context to the familiar Anglo-American narrative. In particular, study of Pennsylvania-German popular piety offers a much-needed antidote to Anglo-centric perspectives on early American religious history. But how to go about that study is an important question. We need only look to Perry Miller for inspiration. One of Miller's most famous writings, an essay titled Errand into the Wilderness, began life as a speech to accompany an exhibition of early New England books and manuscripts at the John Carter Brown Library in Providence, Rhode Island, on May 16, 1952. Just as this exhibition, in the words of its catalog, quote, set forth as far as might be done with such materials, the New England experience, body and spirit, end quote, so too can the books, manuscripts, and calligraphic artworks of Pennsylvania illuminate connections between the material and spiritual worlds in another, vitally important region of early America. Pennsylvania Germans, via their books and manuscripts, offer a way to nuance the tone and tenor of the intellectual history of religious and literary life in early America. Their manuscripts are a remarkably colorful way to illustrate the long history of the Protestant Reformation. Some of Pennsylvania Germans' devotional ethos derived from German pietism, a 17th and 18th century renewal of Protestant faith practice that resulted in a flood of Christian devotional literature, as well as other sectarian movements that offered alternatives to the mainstream Protestantism of the day. If a Puritan paradigm has undergirded Anglo-American studies of religious culture, spiritual books, and devotional art, then perhaps a pietist and sectarian paradigm, grounded in the cultural history and devotional practices of early German-speaking settlers of the Mid-Atlantic, could lend coherence to Pennsylvania German manuscript studies and shed new light on the religious foundations of early America. To understand the great variety inherent in early American religious history and devotional culture, one must understand pietism and aligned movements, which shaped spiritual culture in the German-speaking world. Perry Miller found what he described as, quote, incalculable advantages to be gained from considering New England intensively and alone, end quote. But placing that region and its inhabitants in a wider analytical framework, and especially one that emphasizes German pietism and other radical approaches to Protestant spiritual experience, proves a valuable tool. Viewed from a wide perspective, the various evangelical movements afoot in the 18th and early 19th century Atlantic world all sought to encourage believers to pursue personal relationships with Christ grounded in emotional experience of faith. During this age of evangelical piety, when Christians around the world experimented with various forms of devotion, Germans tested out ideas of radical, personal spiritual agency rooted in Anabaptism, mysticism, and continental European pietism that presaged and paralleled the revivalist awakenings that historians have often studied in relation to Anglo-American communities of the same and later periods. The manuscripts made in Pennsylvania provide remarkable first-hand evidence of how ordinary early Americans nourished their spiritual well-beings via biblical literature and devotional texts. One of my history professors at the University of Delaware, Dr. David Sussman, once made an observation in a seminar years ago that has resonated with me ever since. The writing of history, he said, is more about what questions one decides to ask of the sources than it is about the answers one finds. This is surely true as far as Pennsylvania German illuminated manuscripts are concerned. 
asking big profound questions of the documents, like how they can inform our understanding of early American religious history and how they compare to manuscripts produced in other geographic zones by other cultures, allows us to arrive at grand conclusions about the document's significance. Early scholars like Henry Mercer and Samuel Pennypacker certainly understood the value of broad context when they considered Pennsylvania's place in American history. Those of us interested in the documents today should bear in mind their perspective, as well as the intellectual historical approach adopted by scholars of New England, like Perry Miller, when we think about how best to approach the manuscripts as artifacts of early American life. Any listeners interested in learning more about the work of Perry Miller, Edmund Morgan, and other scholars of early American religious history will find the introduction and chapter one of The Word in the Wilderness to be of great interest. Just refer to the end notes as you read those sections of the book, and you'll be able to assemble a good reading list. On the next episode of Cloister Talk, I will answer some of the most frequent questions I have been asked about the Word in the Wilderness, Pennsylvania German Illuminated Devotional Manuscripts, and my work in museums and special collections libraries. I'll spill the tea on what it was like to dive into manuscript collections around the world and then write the book. To purchase the Word in the Wilderness, just visit psupress.org, or you can also request it from your favorite local bookseller or library. Please note that Penn State Press is a nonprofit scholarly publisher and part of the Penn State University Libraries. Your purchase of the book supports the work of nonprofit peer-reviewed academic publishing, a vital component of the United States information landscape in the 21st century. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to continuing our conversation on the next episode of Cloister Talk.